0: If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read a familiar passage in a minute, but just hopefully look at it from a different different angle. Mark chapter 10. I'll give you the verses in a moment. Matthew Henry was an old preacher, and he wrote a great commentary, a very famous commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary. No, it is, but it is. It's it's one that that you know preachers and, and and people who are really interested in the Word of God really do like to get into, and it is well worth reading um, for for all of us. And I just read a phrase um, during the week of one phrase that he said. That he says that there is in the hearts of all my people of God saying this: there is in the hearts of all my people such a general affection to this world and the things of it that since Christ has required it as necessary to salvation, that we should sit loose to this world. Let me read that again. There is in the hearts of all my people such a general affection to this world and the things of it, that since Christ has required it as necessary to salvation, that we should sit loose to this world. And if there's one thing that when you start to read your Bible especially when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, that there's one thing, yes, the enemy, but one of the things that he is always trying to attack in our lives to get us to let go of is this world. Because this world, because we're born here, we're born into this world, this world of sin and this world's systems and this world's ways, And it's one of the things that Jesus greatly attacked. And really, we can't have anything of God unless we let go of this world. He's trying to get the world out of us. But we have a great affection for it. But Jesus wants it out of our lives because it is no good to us. Some of the scriptures, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, they were interested, who would be the greatest in the kingdom? Who would sit beside Jesus? Which one of them? And he said to them, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now you don't, I don't have to tell you tonight, but this world is all about greatness, but not as Jesus sees greatness. It's about what you have. Pastor spoke this morning about the world looks at riches as a a great thing. And in and of itself, it's not. It's a good thing, but it's not a great thing. That's according to the kingdom of God. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And it goes on and on, and there's many stories that you can read where the world is attacked by Jesus. And he's saying, you need to let go of the world. You need to let go of its ways. And he's trying to get it out of us. You know, and it's a constant battle. You don't have to be very long in going in the day when it's a constant battle against the world and its effects that is trying to, trying to grab us and pull us down to its level. But Jesus wanted to pull us up into the level of the kingdom. He constantly warned of it. Constantly warned of it. You know, and our flesh is basically predisposed to this world. It has a natural attraction to this world. And that's why Jesus says we're to fight the flesh. We're to fight the devil, the world, and the flesh. Because it's predisposed to love the things of this world. But Jesus says we must hold very loosely to this world. We can't have Jesus and the world. We can't have Jesus and the flesh. Jesus says we'd either love one and cling to the other, but we have to make a choice. No man can serve two masters for either he will hit the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What am I saying? Well, I'm saying there has to be a cost to serving Jesus and the cost has to be this world. Jesus wants us to walk with him, but there's gonna be a cost. So with that in mind, we're going to read Mark 10, verse 17. Again, as I say, this story is familiar, but please don't switch off. We just want to look at it in slightly different ways. And it says, When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honour thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that scene, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. God has put eternity in our hearts. It's there. Some people just say, well, it's, 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 it's a thing of, the, of our chromosomes and our atoms, it's all. That's what evolutionists would say. But God has put eternity in our hearts. He has predisposed us to look to eternity. You know, you go all over the world unless they're hardened atheists. It doesn't matter even within religions. They have this thought of an eternal life, as a life after death. It's, it's inbuilt. Even in false religions, but that bit that's inbuilt, there's something else. There's something more. There's an eternal life as of entering into God's kingdom. That's of going to heaven. That's a God-given thought. And I would say all of us tonight, even before we were, were saved, we thought about these things. A life after death. Listen, that's a God thought. God has put it in our hearts. And it's a good thing. Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Again, there's people, you know, that in their arrogance and in their thoughts, would sort of say, oh, I want to go there, all the, all the fun's in hell. But listen, deep down they know. That's a good thing. Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Who would choose hell over heaven? There's none of us that's going to choose hell over heaven when it comes down to it. You know, the thought of it, of joy and peace and release from pains and hurts, our spirits set free of feeling that freedom that only Christ can give. That is to be sought. That is actually within us. God's saying, I have an eternal future for you. And this is what it is. People want that joy. They want that peace. And it is something literally and enthusiastically to be desired. And this is what we see with this young man. As we see it played out in his life, we'll just make a few comments. I want you to look at his approach to Jesus. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running. He came running to Jesus. Now, when you think of eternal life, it's something to be enthusiastically desired. And this young man ran towards Jesus because he knew Jesus had something that he wanted what a promising start for this young man he came running you know this young man was a ruler in the the, 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 I think it was in the Sadducees and he wasn't worried about what they thought about him because he came running he wasn't worried about their thoughts he says I want what Jesus has I have seen something that Jesus has that I want. He wasn't worried about what people thought about him. He wasn't intimidated by the crowd because there was a big crowd around. Jesus was in the way, he was out walking, but he came running to him. The thought of really knowing eternal life, he thought, this is something I want. So he ran towards Jesus. So his desire cannot be be faulted. What else did he do? He kneeled. He came running and he kneeled. This is even more encouraging for this young man. You can see him coming with that enthusiasm, running and kneeling at Jesus' feet. When you kneel to someone, what are you saying? He was kneeling before Jesus and he acknowledged Jesus' authority. When you kneel before a a king or a queen, you're recognizing their authority. And this is what this young man's doing. He's kneeling before Jesus' authority. He's showing his respect for him. He's showing his willingness to hear what Jesus is going to say. He's saying, Lord, I want to hear. And also kneeling, he's saying, I'm I'm ready to hear what you're going to say, and I want to obey. This is what kneeling means. He kneeled before Jesus. And then he knew what his need was. He said, tell me what I must do. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This is getting even better. I, you know, I don't know a preacher in the world wouldn't, wouldn't look forward to this. People running the church, kneeling down at the feet of Jesus and saying, what do I need to do? I don't think there's a preacher but turn that down. He knew what his need was. What must I do that I may inherit eternal life? He had concern about his future. You know, when I look around today, and you see it as well as I do, in the society that we live in, there doesn't seem to, on the face of it, be an awful lot of concern about, your, about people's future. People don't seem to be concerned about their eternal future. It seems to be we live for today, for tomorrow we don't know what comes. We're going to live, drink, eat and be merry, and we'll look after tomorrow when it comes. It doesn't seem to be a big concern about the future. And that's a sad thing. This, this man knew he had need. He knew he needed eternal life. So this is the man that came running with enthusiasm, who kneeled and says, I'm ready to hear you, Jesus, because he knew he needed Jesus for eternal life his enthusiasm, his desire to hear the master and his awareness of his need. All of his actions up until now were promising signs. We would revivals broke. This mic keeps dropping in but the guys are working on it. All promising signs. And there's not a pastor who wouldn't think, oh, this is great. You know, and Jesus was encouraged to see this. I believe you, Jesus was encouraged to see this. But then Jesus begins to show him the steps to eternal life. And it's okay coming with enthusiasm and kneeling and saying, I'm ready to hear. And I know my need. But Jesus brings him along in that little bit more. In verse 19 he talks about what he, what he has to do, What he's, he starts to talk about the commandments. He says, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answers and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now whether he had kept them all is another matter. But his heart's right. He wants to do the right thing. His desire's right. He wants to fulfill as any good do, the law of God. In. He's pressing in, and his heart's right. This was his intention. So he was trying, but it wasn't enough. It was a good step, but it just wasn't enough. And people today try to enter heaven, and it's all about what they can do. I want to do this, and I'll do this, and I'll try this, and I'll try that. I remember before saying myself, it was try your best to keep the Ten Commandments. And Jesus, you know, he understands. And I did, I thought that myself until I found the the truth. And that's the way I thought. And so many people today think the same. They try to work their way into heaven. And yes, some of them are very, very sincere. And they want it, but it's just not enough. Jesus then went on to say to him, you lack one thing. One thing thou lackest. You can still see his enthusiasm. He's thinking I'm very close. He's all the boxes ticked. Just one more. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. And then it's interesting because when you read this in in the other gospels, it says that after he had spoke to him that Jesus loved this young man. But in Mark here, it says, then Jesus beholding him loved him. It says this before. He goes on to tell him these things. And I think that's interesting. And the way I see it is that Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth. He loved him enough to be straight with him. not to leave him in any sort of doubt whatsoever. And the way I look at it today, sometimes we would think, here's this man with enthusiasm and he wants to come to God and they're they're sincere. But Jesus didn't leave out the one thing that he lacked. And sometimes we would think, if I tell them this, I'm going to lose them. I'm going to lose them. You know, it's, 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 I'll just leave that out at a minute and then we'll get them saved and, and we'll, we'll, we'll start to develop that. But no, it doesn't work that way. It's a full gospel. It's not half a gospel, it's the full gospel that leads men and women to Christ. And Jesus loved them enough to tell them the truth. He didn't soften it. He wouldn't soften it. He didn't think, well, I'm gonna lose him. Jesus was very direct with people. Not saying he was rude with them, but sometimes he was very direct and he wouldn't soften the gospel. He wouldn't change it just to get a, save a soul and say, oh, there's another one in. No, Jesus was straight with them. William Booth, founder of Salvation Army, said this, the chief danger of the 20th century will be Religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. And heaven without hell. I think that's very, very prophetic. I think it's very prophetic for the time we live in. Religion without the Holy Ghost. There's a form of religion. And there's no spirit. People go through the motions. A, B, C, D, and E. And God will love you, accept you into heaven. And there's no power of the Holy Spirit. It's a man made religion. We go forward and we have all of our programs. I'm saying there's anything wrong with programs as long as they're filled with the Holy Ghost. But we don't want that type of religion. We want a spirit filled religion. We want to be filled with the Spirit and move with the Spirit. Christianity without Christ. What what is Christianity without Christ? Morality, that's it. There's nothing there, because Christ is the centre of Christianity. You know, I spoke to uh, someone there a while back, and this is what they say about Christ, and they thought Christ was the Son of God. And they said, this is what he says. And I got down to talking with them. And I said to them, you know, what do you really believe? I said, do you, do you believe that Jesus loves you? Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. And do you think he, he, he was a good person and he wants to help you and he wants to give you joy and give you peace? Oh, yes, yes. And we were only like that for a while. And then we started to get to some of the other things that Jesus said. But Jesus said well, in, the, in the last days there a great falling away. He said that there would be wailing and nice gnashing of teeth. And I asked them, no, Jesus didn't say, that's, that's, not, that's not the Jesus I serve. Listen, you have to take Jesus, the full Jesus. You can't have this bit of Jesus and get rid of this bit. That's not Christianity. That's not Christ. And there's a danger in some, place, some areas of Well, the so called church where Jesus making man, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. But the hard sayings of Jesus, the things that Jesus was go saying to this man, oh no, I don't want any of that. That's not Christianity. Forgiveness without repentance. Forgiveness without repentance. Use the other guys. Or? No deep confession. There's no confession of sin. It's just say a little prayer and yes, you're saved. And they just go on the way they were before that. There's no change in them. There's no new man. It's what they're saying in a friend in the barn this Saturday. Listen, that's not forgiveness and that's not Repentance. Repentance is a total turnaround. Yes, I understand that over time, Jesus continues to sanctify us, but there has to be something within us that says, I am different. Some of you can test it. Remember the the time I got saved and and that particular night and I got up the next morning and I couldn't have told you an awful lot, but I knew something was different. I couldn't have probably told you an awful lot of what it was. I knew Jesus had done something in my heart. But I knew there was a change. I knew there was a difference. I knew that God had saved me. He had heard my cry for repentance and He had forgiven me. And sometimes it's just read that out, you're saved. You've got to be careful. There has to be repentance. Salvation without regeneration. There's no change. Life's just the same, and the old man still reigns. That's not salvation. That's not regeneration. That's more of the same. More of the same. And heaven without hell. Jesus has taken me to heaven, but he would never send me to hell. Well, Jesus disagrees with that because his word tells us that. There is a hell and there is a heaven. And we're either going to go to one or we're going to go to the other. People don't like talking about hell, but this is what it is. It's the full gospel. It's the full gospel. Jesus didn't hide hide that he lacked because he loved him. He didn't hide what he lacked because he loved him. He told him he lacked because he did love him. Jesus loved this young man enough to tell him the truth. Because if you don't know you're lost, then what are you looking for? And Jesus told him the whole truth. He says, you lack something, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And you can't come to Christ unless you go through these stages. So all of the gospel is good news. It's a complete picture. You know, there's nothing worse than you get that 1,000 piece jigsaw. You all the pieces in you think well, there's a one bit missing. It's terrible looking. There's no picture. But the gospel is a complete picture. And we have to give the complete picture. What did he say to him? In verse 21 Go thy way. Go thy way. And sell. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. Jesus asked him for something. Because what you see here is this young man was happy enough doing. But Jesus asked him to give. Jesus asked him to give. And he was happy enough doing as long as it didn't cost him anything. But Jesus asked him to give. And to give all that he had. They give all of his wealth and all of his money. Jesus gets right down to the problem. And until they get right down to the problem, really with the problem can't be dealt with. Because what Jesus actually really behind it all asked him for, he asked him for his heart. Because his heart was for his money. His heart was for his goods. His heart was so involved in it Jesus asked him for his heart. Because money really has no life of its own. But this young man's heart was wrapped around his money. You know, we sing the songs, Lord, you have my heart. I surrender all. And I want to challenge us tonight. Are those things really true? Maybe the Lord's been asking you for some things. Maybe he's been asking you to surrender some things. And yes, being in the human, and uh, we struggle with that at times. And it's like the Lord has to wrestle us for them. And it's like we're struggling with those things. And the Lord wrestles with us and says, Listen, I want that. I want that. Give me that. You want what I have, you give me that. And these things are true. Over the years, we have had times where we've had to give things up. You know, I was thinking today, and I was thinking about Pastor David, and I was thinking about Pastor Yule there as well. And, you know, they've they've pastored full-time for years. Yule, not so much now, but still preaches and stuff. And the things that they had to give up for the calling of God in their lives. Probably should ask Sally what they've had to give up on Barbara. Because they've been on the other end of it. Some of you, you know, you phone him at two o'clock in the morning, he's out the door, down visiting you. Sally's he's sitting there, he's away again. <laughs> but that's, that's the calling of God. And there has to be sacrifice, and they've had to give things. It could be their t- your time. It could be your possessions. It could be your reputation. It could be your job. And God's saying, I want that. Because if you want what I want, this is what it's going to cost, or what I have, this is what it's going to cost. And Jesus said this, he wanted, "I want your heart." And this is what's behind the whole thing here. His heart was for his possessions, and Jesus said, "If you want what I have, you give me your heart." But he asked for Jesus, but he didn't want to pay the price. It's interesting what Jesus said to him. He says, sell it all and you will have treasure in heaven. It was interesting the young man's talk, He started talking about riches. And he talked about the very thing that he had trouble with. And he said, but you'll have treasure. You've got your riches now but I am promised new treasure. So actually what he said to him, he says, listen, trade it in. Trade it in for something better. We think we're losing things when God asks us to to give them up. But he's saying, trade it in for something better. Trade it in for treasure in heaven where there's no moth and no rust or no thief. Trade it in for the best. Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven. And then he said in verse 21, take up the cross. Take up the cross And now Jesus is right down to the very core. A cross? Give up all this for the cross? Are you mad? Are you crazy? Give it all up and carry this cross? You know, some of us have been Christians a long time and some of the hassle you get, some of the hassle you give sometimes, but some of the hassle that you get and you think, is this all worth it? And you're sitting there, and somebody says something to you, and they get offended, and and they go off and one. And you think, what did I do wrong there? And you think, is this worth it? But Jesus says, carry the cross. Carry your cross. This is part of the price. So Jesus right down here, this young man saying, well, I thought I could keep my money. And, and, you know, just go on and have all of this. And I thought, you know, it'll be (coughs) hassle-free. But listen, is it hassle-free? You don't have to answer that. You can answer it to yourself. At times it's not. But then he goes on to say, and follow me. Follow me. Now remember the young man kneeled before Jesus. And the kneeling is, I'm ready to hear what you're saying. Because you have what I want. And I'll do what you want. But I came right down to it. And Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to test your resolve. And God will test us to see if we're genuine or not. You've bowed before me. Now follow me. Hear me. Obey me. Trust me with everything. He says, "Follow me, because this was the answer to his question: What must I do to have eternal life?" Jesus, more or less, Jesus said to him, "I am eternal life. Follow me. It's not something you do. It's not something. It's 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 giving your heart to me. Follow me. I am eternal life. I am what you seek. When you have me, you have everything." And genuinely, that is true. When you have Jesus, you have everything. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And then what does it say? He was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. This is probably is one of the saddest statements. He was sad at the saying, and went away grieved. This is the same man that came running kneel down and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus challenged him. Remember, Jesus loved him and he wanted him to bring him into his kingdom, but he couldn't let go. He couldn't let go of this world. He couldn't let go of it. You know, many want Jesus and they they want what he has to offer. They like the sound of it. That's why I was saying eternal life sounds great, doesn't it? Something that's in us and it's to be desired. But they're unwilling to pay the price. Listen, we're only trading in for something better. Because when we get a glimpse of Jesus, we realize what was that price I had to pay? I'd pay twice that, 10 times that, 1,000 times that, a million times that, because Jesus is worth it. And this is what we need to see, that Jesus is eternal life and he is worth it. He was happy doing as long as there was no cost. This young man was so close, so, so close. He could look Jesus in the eye. He could touch his garments. He could see his complexion. He could see the color of his eyes. And yet he ran away sad so close to eternal life Paul talked to King Agrippa King Agrippa said almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian almost but you're not there and this young man was so close and never made it church almost is not enough when you're out witnessing listen give the full gospel because it's the only way to the kingdom it's the only way to Jesus it says he was grieved basically he took the temporal for the eternal he took the temp- the temporal for the eternal jesus says this world and everything within it it's gone it won't last he took the temporal for the eternal let me just read one last verse for you in John 12. Just in verse 20. It's just interesting what Jesus says here. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Beth- Bethsaida, of Galilee, And desired him, saying, "'Sir, we would see Jesus. "'Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, "'and again Andrew and Philip to tell Jesus. "'And Jesus answered him, saying, "'The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, "'Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, "'it abideth alone. "'But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. "'He that loveth his life shall lose it, "'and he that hateth his life in this world "'shall keep it unto life eternal.'" If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Did you see what Jesus said there? These men said, We would see Jesus. And Jesus then went on to talk about dying. He went on to talk about dying to our own lives, hating our own lives. He talked about serving him. He talked about dying. If we're going to serve Jesus and if we're going to see Jesus, then we're going to have to die to self. We're going to have to die to this world. because listen, this world is dying, and you, listen, you see that as well as I do. This world is dying, but we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. This man was so close and yet walked away so sad. We don't want to make the same mistake. And it's the same for our walk with Jesus. He has saved us, but he still wants things. He still wants to clean us up. He still wants to clean us out. He still wants to get the world out of us. Give me it. What is Jesus asking you for? What is Jesus asking you for? What does the Holy Spirit put in your heart and saying, that's getting in the way? that's getting in the way. I want it. And we'll fight and we'll wrestle. But listen, we don't want to go away sad. I want to encourage us today to lay those things down. Trade them in for something better. Trade them in for eternal treasure. Trade them in for Jesus and you'll never be disappointed. You'll never go away sad You'll be rich, very rich. Pastor spoke this morning on the riches of the kingdom. You'll be very rich indeed. What is it he's asking you for? You know, maybe in your heart, I need to sort this out. Lord's putting his finger in this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Follow me. Are we followers of Christ? And we've got to lay these things down. At times it's not easy, but God gives us the grace to do it. God gives us the grace. And then when it's gone, we think, I don't even miss that. Because we've got something better and something greater. God wants to get the world out of us. And He wants to give us Himself. He wants to fill you with that real joy and that real peace and that real comfort and that real freedom. That's what I want. And I believe you want it also. So, what is it? What is the Lord asking you for? He wants you to give it up, trade it in for treasures in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We we thank you for its challenge to us, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for the gospel, the full gospel, Lord God, that brings us into relationship with you, that we can be called the sons of God because of what you have done. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for everything that the cross has bought for us. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to know you, Lord God. We want to go deeper with you, Lord God. So Lord, I just pray for your people tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them grace. Grace to lay these things down. Grace to lay them down, Lord God. To get them out of the way. Because, Lord, they're worthless. Lord, the world puts expense on them. The world thinks they're great, Lord. But Lord, they're nothing compared to treasures in heaven. Lord, touch your people tonight. Lord, what you're asking them for, I pray that you would enable them to lay it down. And that, Lord, that they can walk forth into greater freedom, into greater joy, into greater peace. And, Lord, your name would be glorified and honored. Bless us tonight, Lord. We thank you for this day, Lord God. We thank you for we're found in your house, Lord God. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.